Let's read God's Word together. Our reading uh, this evening is from John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 12 through to 19. And the heading here in the NIV is the triumphal entry. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Amen, and may God bless to us this reading from his most holy word. I'm sure you all remember the scene from Braveheart where William Wallace, in giving his inspirational speech to his army, stands there and reminds them that the English will never take our freedom. And then there's an almighty cheer, and the crowd are set to follow him and do whatever he asks, because they firmly believe that he will lead them out of English rule and give them back their country, their self-respect, and their dignity. Now, there's no denying that there is a touch of glory in the entrance of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem in Palm Sunday. Jesus was welcomed as a hero. People had heard how Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, even though he had been dead for over four days. The news had spread about how he had healed people who were incurably sick, how the blind were able to see, the deaf to hear, and how he restored people to their families after he had driven out evil spirits. The news had reached the people of Jerusalem about the compassion and the love of Jesus and how he had shown mercy to tax collectors and prostitutes. The crowd was excited that this miracle-working teacher was coming to town. They waved palm branches in their hands. They spread their coats on the road and they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
the crowd welcomed him, as indeed they would welcome a king. This was the man who came in the name of the Lord to intervene in the wretched circumstances of their lives and to give hope for the future. This was the man who would give them freedom from Roman occupation and oppression. This was the man who would bring prosperity and a time of peace to their troubled land. This is the man who would give them back their dignity and self-worth. No wonder they cheered and paved the way with palm branches and clothing. For in the eyes of the crowd, there was no doubt that Jesus was the promised king sent by God. However, this king was different. He didn't ride into Jerusalem on a magnificent war horse. There was no show of power and strength, but instead he rode a humble donkey, an animal that would have been used to cart things from one place to another. Maybe if we think about it in today's setting, the donkey would be a bit like a Land Rover, used to carry all manner of things about for farmers and tradesmen. You can load up the Land Rover and take the goods to wherever they are needed. To put the story of Palm Sunday into a modern setting, it would be like Jesus riding into the city in the back of a Land Rover, not in a limo, in the midst of a motorcade, the method of travel for kings and VIPs, of course, today. And as Jesus rode along, he did not smile, he did not give the royal wave to the people who were lining the streets, for his heart was heavy. Luke tells us that Jesus got closer, as Jesus got closer to the city, he wept. He knew that his enemies had begun to plot how they could get rid of him. He knew only too well that in just a few days' time, the crowds would not be shouting out, Hosanna, but instead they would be shouting out, Crucify him! Crucify him! He wept because they wanted peace in their city, but they failed to see Jesus as the one source of true peace. They could not see Jesus as the source of forgiveness and a restored relationship with God. Jesus wept with grief because he could see a time when Jerusalem would be nothing but a pile of rubble and the people waving palm branches would fall under the Roman sword. It is vital that we are aware that this is no ordinary king riding on a donkey. He has come to serve. He is a servant king. On Good Friday, we see the love that caused Jesus to be burdened with the sin 
of all humanity. He gave up his life for us. And this became the pivotal point in human history. And so it is in this context that we are confronted by Paul's words to his Philippian friends. Paul, it seems, quoting an earlier Christian hymn that speaks about Christ, who he is, and what he has done for us. It is almost a mini-creed. Paul presents Jesus in the contrasting picture of both king and servant. Listen to the apostle. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. At the heart of Jesus' work was the humble, selfless desire to serve. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death. The Palm Sunday King did not want to dominate or to lord it over others. He wanted to serve. He always considered the needs of others first, even if that meant giving up his own life. If serving, serving meant laying down his own life, then he would do it. The pivotal point in human history. This theme of service comes through powerfully during Jesus' whole ministry. Remember what happened as he ate with his disciples at the Last Supper. No one was prepared to wash the dust off the disciples' feet before beginning the meal. So Jesus, the master, tied a towel around his waist, took a bowl of water, and knelt before the disciples and began to wash their feet. The picture of a true servant. Even although Jesus was the teacher, the master, yes, even the king, he didn't give a second thought to doing the lowliest of jobs washing another person's dirty feet, a job only a servant would do. In the Old Testament, Isaiah describes what is today known as the suffering servant. Isaiah is looking forward to the Savior and describes the kind of person that he will be in Isaiah 53 verses 4 to 7. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all 
like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. There's no glory here, just a suffering servant. The King of Glory was treated cruelly at the hands of his creation. He was mocked, whipped and nailed to a cross. He died a shameful death. He died a criminal. He allowed all of this to happen because of his love for you and for me. And because of his desire that the relationship between God and humanity be restored. He died a servant, meeting our greatest need. Forgiveness for the sin that plagues every moment of our lives here on earth. But being a servant was tough for Jesus. Satan was determined not to make it easy for him. Remember the temptations in the wilderness. And neither did the world make it easy. Crowds wanted to make Jesus a king. How tempting that must have been. Jesus' own humanity didn't make it easy for him to be a servant. Remember his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And you see, neither is it easy for us to be servants. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And that is humility and service. Paul here is urging us to adopt an attitude of servanthood. And those who have benefited from Jesus shedding all his power and glory to serve our needs, we are encouraged to be servants of Christ and continue to carry on his ministry of service. Just as Jesus has met us at our greatest point of need, so also we are encouraged to meet others at the point of their greatest need. That might well be the person who comes seeking our help and assistance at the most inconvenient time. It might be the telephone call with a plea for help that comes right in the middle of something that we are doing. 
It might be the request which seems to be beyond our ability or capacity to handle. Or it might be the job that is easy and will help someone, but we just can't be bothered doing it. Being a servant, then, is not easy. It is part of our sinful nature to do things only if they have some benefit for us. We tend not to want to give too much of ourselves away. After all, we have responsibilities too, don't we? But servanthood means just this, helping and caring with a humility and a love that wants to serve one another unselfishly. In Matthew 20, 26, we read Jesus saying, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we enter Holy Week once again, let us firstly reflect on the way that Jesus gave himself so completely and wholly in service to us. We were in need. Our sin would condemn us. We were cut off from God. And yet Jesus graciously suffered and died for us. He was a true servant. Secondly, let us enter Holy Week with a repentant heart, aware of the ways that we have failed being true servants to one another. Our selfish attitude has grieved God. Let us take the time to reflect on what it means to be a servant and determined to tear down the barriers of pride and self-concern, to seek to humbly serve at those points in people's lives where there is real need. And thirdly, as we enter Holy Week, let us take time to stand before the cross in wonder and with great thanksgiving. Let us praise God for the total and complete way that Jesus gave himself for us. For that selfless giving, which was indeed the pivotal moment in human history. Amen. Let's come before God together in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty and Heavenly Father, how dare we approach the throne of grace if it were in our own ability, it would be futile. But Lord, Lord you have given us the most incredible Savior in Jesus Christ, your own dear Son. You have given to us a Savior that has torn the curtain 
that has beckoned us come into the Holy of Holies. Lord, who are we that you should care the way that you do for us? And yet we realize, Heavenly Father, that it is through your grace alone that we are called. We thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you each and every day for the way that you uphold and sustain us. Father, we pray earnestly at this time that we would learn to trust you anew with our lives. Lord, we think on the incredible words that are revealed throughout Scripture. But especially tonight, we think of the most amazing promise that you give to Joshua. The promise to be with him. And we think on Joshua's response, Heavenly Father, for us and our families, who will we follow at this time? Help us, Lord, to focus our lives, to focus our actions, to focus our thoughts and deeds only on you. Help us to serve only you. Help us to delight in your ways. For this we ask in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.